Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Baki Taki. We're almost at 20. Not quite yet, uh, which is my first admission of defeat. But that's that's what this episode is all about, uh, as it is titled Admission of Defeat. With me, we have a new guest, never before on the pod, just like almost every other week, um, but still a special guest, Louie. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, Steve, you know, sometimes refusing to admit defeat is the key to success my yes that i I don't think you're gonna sell many books with that (laughs) also hello hello is my thing so i will have to edit out one of your hellos anyway uh louis i always have two questions that i ask our new guests on the show just so the audience gets a chance to know you so first off other than baki what shows have you currently been watching oh god it's uh (laughs) We've been watching Stranger Things again, from the beginning, of course. So there's that one. And then uh, I watched the trailer for the new Game of Thrones dragon, House of Dragons or something like that prequel. Uh, the, uh... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the trailer was enough for me. Did not decide to watch that one. Yeah, I know uh, what you mean. I'm waiting until... I. <sighs> I was, I was planning on just not watching it and saying I was waiting for reviews, but now all the reviews are very positive, so I have to come up with a new reason I'm not watching it. I just have to find one review that says it's not good, but uh, we'll get there. Um, second question, before I asked you to uh, watch this episode, um, which I think you watched an hour ago, so before an hour ago, what did you know about Baki? Uh, I knew absolutely nothing. Except I had a hunch that it was going to be obscure and uh, worth making a podcast about. (laughs) And it did not disappoint. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. And you know what? I I was happy that you got this episode because uh, I actually found it gave a lot more context than most other episodes. In some ways, at least. So... Why don't you, why don't Louie, you just tell us how the episode, well, actually, before that, did you, were you going to say something? Yeah, I'm shocked to hear that, because this show felt like it had no basis, I have no idea what's going on, and uh, I felt like it was a show about nothing, it was, it was very um, amusing. It does get, yeah. it does get com- <laughs> uh, compared to Seinfeld a lot, they are sort of sister shows, in my opinion. Um, so, Louis, why don't you just walk us through how the episode starts? Um, I, I believe we're in an, an alleyway with uh, Dopo Rachi and uh, Hector Doyle. Yeah, I commend you for knowing the names. Uh, that that is my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the it started off with a very interesting confrontation. I can't believe I ran into the pyro who just blew up my building don't know if that's good luck or bad you know it's typical anime confrontation so i wasn't too surprised the thing that really got me is an out of the blue uh character one the i don't know the name but the the guy who got beat up they're being beat up by the guy with the the guy with uh the red-haired guy or the older guy the red-haired guy yeah doyle yeah then out of the blue the older guy's like oh yeah those two guys are dead there's no like (laughs) <laughs> Two guys who don't show up in this episode, otherwise. Oh, by the way, those two are dead. No way. Yeah, it's a shame, really. I feel bad for him. Oliver was out for a stroll, and was suddenly hit by a meteorite. Damn! And 
Retsu happened to be right where a crack in the earth opened up during an earthquake. Get me out! Some people just have the worst luck, you know? And that, that meteor, uh, so so for fans of the show, uh, or listeners, uh, Dobo just out of the blue tells Doyle that um, Oliver and Retsu have both been killed. Retsu was, or Oliver was hit in the head with a meteor and then went damn when it hit his head. <laughs> and then Retsu was swallowed into the earth in a horrific but very localized earthquake. Now, now, spoiler alert, this did not happen. Um, I, don't, I don't really fully understand why Dopo said this other than, honestly, I think he was just having fun. Okay, because I was also very uh, confused as to why this was being said. But yeah. then it gets weirder in that, like, they're, they're in an alleyway, the perfect mm-hmm. place for a fight. And the old guy's, like, taunting, the red-haired guy's like, yeah, come on, you want to fight? You can fight. And then he's like, meet me in the park. And it's like, but you're already together in the alleyway. <laughs> Why am I meeting you in a park? We're right here. <laughs> Especially because their fight has zero movement in it. <laughs> like, yeah. they could have had that fight in a, fight in a closet. <laughs> so, yeah, so then they go off to a park, and, yeah, it's like you say, it's a single blow, and... Uh... And that's just the end of that character interaction. Like, I, like I was very confused. I'm like, okay, this old guy, I gotta, you know, recognize his face, get to know this guy. No, not at all. He's not in the rest of the show. Yeah, that was that was it for Dopo in the episode. I don't know. So, I, so I have a park near my house, and I have opinions on it. You know, a lot of people have unleashed dogs in there, but I think that's a lot easier to deal with than if there was some guy who just kept luring people in there <laughs> to kick their ass. Meet me in the park. Sure. Use the alleyway. (laughs) He was the only one in the whole episode who really colored up his karate. Everyone else is like, karate. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to use karate. Yeah, well, Dopo is the karate guy. The thing with this show is most fighters have like a gimmick or they represent a school of thought. So Dopo is the karate guy. Um, the, the school of thought of luring poor and suspecting <laughs> bastards into parks and beating the shit out of them. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I do have to say, though, I appreciated the attention to detail on the cauliflower ears. Like, you could tell this guy was, was an old school fighter. And oh, you know, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Well, do, you, do you know why the rest of his face was scarred? Yes, Steve. It was very, very clear in the show. <laughs> they gave a very succinct backstory. Well, I, it's, no. I, I just couldn't tell if you could pick up from the context clues. Uh, a few episodes ago, a, 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 an escaped uh, criminal slammed his face with an explosive that he had inside his hand, and all of his face blew off. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that might be obvious. I, I wanted to touch on one aspect of this scene that I found really fun. So... Uh, you, you wouldn't have context of this, but um, the, the main driving point of this season is that five death row inmates uh, spontaneously around the world decided to break out of their jails and travel to Japan to taste defeat. And they, they all have different definitions of defeat. And in this episode, we learn that Doyle considers himself undefeated because nobody has ever killed him. I know you had a little tussle with Retsu. He and that American Oliver ran into you. And by ran into you, I mean they kicked your ass left and right. 
They couldn't finish the job. <laughs> so in your mind, that's what keeps you undefeated, huh? Man, you really are pathetic. What are your thoughts on... on... <laughs> that's a good definition. I love it. I, like, I'm undefeated, you're undefeated. Like, take Everyone that, Abraham Lincoln, Alexander the Great, Napoleon, all of those guys, complete losers. I have to say, he did give off the air of being, like, the top dog. Which is tough when you get continuously beat up by an old man. Oh, I was talking about the old man. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, that kidding. redhead kid? No, I got that shit. He's a bottom dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was a fun little scene to start the episode. Um, oh, I also just wanted to... I think it was Dopo had a line where he suggested they just punch each other repeatedly. No karate or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, like, man, we gotta just man up and just punch each other with brute strength. How about we take turns trading punches? Don't really care who starts. No using karate. No using weapons. Nothing funny. Just two men, their brute strength, last man standing. I loved that. I think they should bring back trial by combat, but to keep things fair, just you have to punch each other. No karate. I'm, just, I'm picturing, have you seen those slap fights? Yes. But they just stand across <laughs> from each other in full force. Dopo, <laughs> Dopo honestly looks like the type of guy who would be in a slap fight. <laughs> no, his neck was. I mean, I I get you know the anime, you know style, but his neck was insane. He had like two giant sausages for tendons in his neck. So, so you know what the funniest thing is? So this this adaptation is adapting comics that were or manga that was written in like the year 2000 and baki is still being produced today and so i was on their subreddit recently and people were saying that they can't they are they can't take the new dopo seriously because he's too <laughs> thick and they're comparing him to when he like today like they're using the 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 dopo that you just said was too thick as a reference of this was the right amount of thick and now his neck is just too oh, thick he's thicker now he's thicker now i'll, 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 send, I'll send you some <laughs> reference because it, it was thick enough that i i, I recall noticing i'm like that guy's neck is ridiculous and then i looked at the redhead kid's neck and it was much smaller still you know anime style but like significantly smaller and then throughout the whole rest of the show i was comparing necks <laughs> and this dopo guy <laughs> just had the king of necks he's definitely i'd say top two um the guy who got hit by a meteor has a pretty big neck but i, I think <laughs> i think his head was at a weird angle in that shot <laughs> <laughs> he had just done his neck workouts he was a little fatigued so the scene the fight in the park ends like all baki fights do where one guy instantly uh, destroys the other guy um by surprisingly using karate um so dopo knocks doyle out and brings him to the shin shin kai dojo um so i don't know if you picked this up louis uh, last episode ended with doyle blowing up a floor of the shin shin kai dojo using a pastry flour as an explosive oh sorry this is totally unrelated to to your episode but i do have to do a corrections corner so last episode i was talking about how uh, pastry flour 
and the science lesson they gave on how dust explosion works reminded me of popular mechanics for kids um and how alicia cuthbert was uh, the was the host of that show as a kid and my mom after watching listening to the episode pointed out that the more interesting fact is that the male co-host was jay baruchel so i was gonna say it's jay something i can't remember his last name <laughs> yeah i forgot I, I didn't know that at all i just knew the other one anyway really? Yeah, well, I don't know. I was, but I feel like by the time Jay Baruchel blew up, I wasn't really um, uh, watching PMK. You know. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait. Jay, what's the last name? I gotta look it, this guy up. It's the guy from uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's that's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I I like to I like to reference two classic shows in this podcast. Would we call this a classic? <laughs> I mean, PMK for sure. <laughs> so Doyle has been dragged unconscious into the Shinshin Kai dojo. Uh, the police are gone. Everybody's gone. It's just Doyle, Katsumi, uh, Dopo's son. Uh, Louis, what what happens in this scene? Wait, hold on. Is the burnt guy Dopo's son? Yeah. Oh, well, that was not explained thoroughly. That makes way more sense now. Uh, yeah, this scene. So my impression was this is just a completely... I don't know how the redhead guy got there. I don't know who any of these other people are. But the redhead guy was having a bad day because he just got the shit kicked out of him again. But I have to say it was in a very polite manner. And I appreciated that. Do you, Doyle? Admit defeat. This will keep happening. Yeah, like they're they're just trying to get him to admit defeat. Like it's the title of the episode, you know. I don't know why. <laughs> that part was never explained to me. But yes, they were very insistent on it. Well, it's it's like I've been saying that the whole theme of the season was five death row inmates came to Japan to seek defeat. So you'd, you'd, you'd think Doyle would be a lot more agreeable to this, considering the whole reason he came here was to be defeated. Um, Hold on. Is the defeat death? Once again, uh, I think it changes from uh, death row inmate to death row inmate. Um, Doyle seems to think that it's death. I think that's a fair interpretation. So I guess that's probably why he's reluctant to um, admit mm. defeat. But yeah, Katsumi mm. just uh, beats the shit out of him. Um like, but he does give him a nice meal right after. <laughs> to be honest, it didn't seem that nice. It seemed like okay. What? I thought it looked nice. A fish? Some rice? Yeah, fish and rice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, thanks big... for knocking me unconscious. Thanks for leaving an indent in my skull. Wow. At least I got my fish and rice. It's no feast, but we're at war, so best enjoy what you got. Actually, that was, yeah, that guy's skull just got, like, slowly <laughs> destroyed over the episode. I swear to God, just the fist indentations. Just... The, the final punch, he should have never, he should have died then and there. Like, he was, they, they showed blood coming out of his ears, like, implying, like, his brain is just <laughs> oozing out. <laughs> they had the best doctor on hand. Yeah, the best doctor on hand. Wh whoever they had in the... <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Our number one surgeon is, uh, he doesn't work for a hospital. He works for the local karate dojo. You know what, actually, and it's it's funny how TV will do this, but in, now when I think back on the show, the dialogue and the sentiments were normal. But I remember distinctly while watching it, the dialogue, I understand it's dubbed, but it was very obscure and like not right. <laughs> they just, the way they state things like i have i can crush two cinder blocks with my downward punch he's <laughs> <laughs> just standing over the guy i've got a downward strike powerful enough to turn three concrete blocks into dust before he downward punches his face into the mat yeah no i agree and on the the thing is like i don't know i might I, i've seen people listen to the subs and like the subtitles that have their own charm to it but I, I, I sort of have to use the dubs so, because I add clips to the podcast. Um, <laughs> and you can't really subtitle <laughs> a clip. But the dubs, it, it really is a bit of broken telephone where it's like something that barely makes sense in, in Japanese being translated into English. Um, I have to say, the, what, what, was, what was the bird guy's name again? The bird guy? The burnt guy. Oh, sorry. Kitsume. <laughs> Katsumi. I liked him a lot. I actually thought there was some depth to that scene. There was a lot of uh, pathos. Yeah, it was just an attempt to genuinely teach humility. And that redhead guy was not having it. Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) I liked it. Well, so, so before we get to the thrilling conclusion of Doyle and Katsumi... Um, we do. You're you're very lucky, Louis. Not every guest gets Baki to actually show up in in their episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we we get more of Baki and Kozue. Who uh, last we saw them, Baki's dad told them how celibacy is for wimps. Um, yep. in this <laughs> in this episode, uh, Kozue writes Baki a letter, uh, and and then what happens? Well, the letter is basically, I can't even remember what the letter said. Come find me. Yep. There was definitely this, uh, impl- there's a thought put forth that the next time they're alone, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just gets this letter, come find me. And and I mean, I think this is very uh, apt, but he just <laughs> runs through the entire city. Doesn't get in a cab, doesn't call anyone. In fact, they they made it very clear that he was so in tune with his body that he was a running machine. Baki was no fool. He simply had an immense and overriding level of faith in his body. That's why he didn't take a taxi or ride the train. (laughs) (laughs) He just runs through the whole city. And I thought that was kind of cute. This this poor guy's like, wow, it's finally going to (laughs) happen. And he just tears (laughs) off running through the city looking for this girl. I thought thought it was cute too, but I also thought that this was like, there was so, there was such high stakes for something that should have had zero stakes. Like, Kozue was like, come find me. And so Baki... (laughs) runs to every spot in town. Kozue is angsting over if Baki will find her. Been wandering around all the usual places we'd go together, killing time, waiting. But he hasn't found me. Now, now I wonder, will he come? Just tell him where you are. That's the other weird 
ridiculous thing where it's like it's not like come find me where it's just like a euphemism for like hey i'm at home just like come over yes. no 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 she hid in the city somewhere <laughs> you know and, and it's not like she went to one place and then just hung out there she was just like walking around she went and got groceries like the odds that he's gonna find her is zero and it's like yeah and she gets all angsty about it and she's like oh no what if he he isn't gonna come it's like oh no he's coming he just doesn't know where the fuck you are. Uh, I, I love how her shirt is like all bedazzled and just has one word on it. It says romance. Oh my god, I didn't catch that. <laughs> I was so I, I was so surprised by like probably the 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 first I would say fan service shot in the show where uh, the, Kozue's heart is beating and we just get a shot of just her chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not super surprised, but I don't watch that much anime, and uh, so I'm the not thing, that familiar. The thing is, Baki's very good at this, because there's only one female character, and she doesn't do much, so there's, <laughs> there's really not a lot of opportunities. Unless, to be fair, there there are a lot of... Um, uh, there's a surprising amount of fights where the, the guys get naked, so um, maybe it's not a great show, uh, or maybe it is a great show for fan service, um, depending Wait, on your what? definition. Like they get fully naked? Uh, that happened twice, yeah. <laughs> is there a reason for that? Well, one time, uh, one time the guy pulled a gun and said, strip down, and then the guy stripped down and kicked his ass. Um, and then the other time he was coming out of the shower and then he said uh, let me put on my pants and Baki said who told you you can put on your pants and then they fought um, it just sort of comes up you know it's pretty organic <laughs> I see I see but yeah so then they, they finally find each other and they're I don't, I don't, they're in like a I don't know where they are it just seems like a I, outhouse I, from the outside <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just empty rooms like i'm like is this like a dojo is this i i believe that is baki's old abandoned house that he lived in but um, yes it does it does look like it looks like an outhouse from the outside a very nice outhouse in the middle of japan yeah and so they get together and then i'll get dinner started for us don't bother she's just like i'll cook dinner <laughs> he's like no we don't want, we're not gonna cook dinner I'll and she goes, oh, uh, yeah, oh, no no bath um, and then eventually they do this like climactic loving embrace but I don't know if I just saw it wrong what I saw is he just grabbed the top of her head it was a very weird pose I don't think I've ever it's thought a... about grabbing someone like that no and uh, it's yeah no it was uh Again, a very strange scene. I'm sure there's relevance if you have the backstory, but that mixed in with this redhead kid just getting the shit kicked out of him somewhere else <laughs> made for a very strange episode. If you think that's strange, like full disclosure, like, like if, if, if anyone's uncomfortable with this scene so far, next week is, uh, next week we get about a third of the episode is them having sex for the first time. And it is... I don't know how we're gonna talk about it. On the show. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta watch this episode. My morbid curiosity. <laughs> it's it. Well, it's it's basically what happens when a guy who only draws men fighting tries to make a, a sex scene. But um, oh yeah, we'll 
we'll get to that next week. Uh, sorry, editor Steve jumping in. Um, we didn't touch on it, but I had to include my favorite out-of-context line for the episode. Oh, you want to become the world's strongest man, don't you? Your dad said that having sex will help you achieve that, so... Close way. You know that's not what I want. So on that on that cliffhanger, we go back to uh, Doyle and Katsumi. We, we sort of touched on this. Uh, the doctor's there now, and um, the doctor has some commentary about how... It... it in this in this author's world like doctors and martial artists are the two pillars of society of equal respect <laughs> to each other doctors study to heal the body while martial artists study to destroy the body sounds like some uh lobbying groups got together and were like i don't know we'll keep healing people and you keep sending them big pharma and big show big teamed up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly but yeah so it, we get to the thrilling conclusion where uh katsumi does his uh punch that can punch through three cinder blocks uh right into doyle's face turns doyle's face into uh, a concave um <laughs> horrible horrible looking object I, I i can't even think of a way to describe it Doyle, of course, passes out for the fourth time. Every time Doyle woke up, he got punched in the face and got knocked out again, uh, if that wasn't clear. Anyway. <laughs> and, and then he wakes up again, and uh, this time, Kitsumi isn't there. And wh- wh- what happened, Louis? <laughs> See, and I like this. I thought it was actually a pretty... Uh, it had substance. And so what has happened is Kitsumi has decided that he can't bring himself... To kill this, this poor, this poor uh, death row fellow. <laughs> is that is that what he is? He's death row inmate. Yeah. Um, well, he can't bring himself to kill him, and he's just beat him up so much that he's just he, he's had enough. He's sick to his stomach of it, and so he himself admits defeat. You know. Yeah, it was. It was. It, sorry, you go. I, I thought that there is something poetic about that, and I you know maybe it's a it's a trope that is not original, but I liked it. I like how they pulled it off, and he was just such a nice guy, and he's like, all right, I'm out of here. He uses his henchman behind to tell the, the the redhead guy when he wakes up, hey, you won this fight, you know, <laughs> you you your face to fist style is uh, too much for me. <laughs> well, and and, and you know I'm, what. It was it was rewarding for him. Like he left that with a nice warm glow on his face and no regret. <laughs> Upon accepting his first defeat, Katsumi felt something quite unexpected and extraordinary. A joyful sense of liberation he had never known before. Um now I, I wanted to ask about I I the symbolism of Doyle's last shot in this episode, I cannot wrap my head around. Um, so the last shot of Doyle is Katsumi leaves, and he's he's accepted that he can't break Doyle, and it cuts, and as he leaves, right by the door, Doyle is crouched down in front of him. He has taken off his turtleneck, so he's shirtless. He has put his turtleneck on the ground and then lifted one arm up, in the air um almost as if he was like saying please step on my turtleneck so your shoes won't get dirty or something like that 
I don't know what that pose was supposed to represent. Really? Oh, no, I loved this. I thought it was, uh, it was the, the height of the show, if you will. So, this, this guy is trying to prove himself, this redhead guy. The whole show, you know, he's trying to pick fights with these people way, way beyond his, his ability. And it shows. And he gets the crap kicked out of him. And, you know, he's like, that, you, you can picture that archetype. You know, you can't give up. You have no chance. And you're just, like, foolhardy. You know, the, the essence of foolhardiness. And here he has this guy who's, by all means, way, way more uh, accomplished than he, he is. He gives up and he demonstrates, you know, like, you can have humility. You can, you can, you can admit defeat and it, it's okay. And it doesn't rob you of your power. And I don't know the redhead guy's name, but Doyle. he learns, Doyle, Doyle. <laughs> he learns that lesson. And I think in the end, it's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a thank, it's a, it's a, it's an appreciation and a thank you and a reciprocated humility of like, you know, I was, wasn't gonna, I thought I was being a tough guy. And, you know, I thought I had to keep fighting. And that was my only way to, to actualize my myself and my potential. And here he's learned that lesson that no, no, that's not all there is to life. And in fact, sometimes admitting defeat and, and moving on and, and being true to yourself is brings greater joy and greater accomplishment. And so and then it was a beautiful little uh, student learning a lesson. Where did, he he, actually... did he have to take off his shirt to come to this conclusion? Um, well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I put, I, I wouldn't put it past the episode after everything I'd seen. That was the least, <laughs> least surprising part. <laughs> you kind of got to decode the message. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's move on to the last uh, little segment of the episode. We get to uh, see our good pal, Mr. Tokugawa, uh, visiting uh, a martial arts dojo that we've never been to before and mr tokugawa is surprised by all of the foreigners uh foreigners in this case being non-japanese people please come inside thank you so much this man is a foreigner yeah louis walk me through uh mr tokugawa's visit to the dojo oh man <laughs> so yeah there's not a lot here he just goes and meets with the crypt, the, the crypt keeper. Is he the crypt? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. He looks like it. I don't know. I think he's one of the weirdest looking guys in the show. He he has one of these like squashy oblong heads. That's you know weird shaped. He's got one arm. Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting on the ground and uh, he's just smoking the doobie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes are all crossed, looking in different directions. Like, the guy is definitely insane. He's certifiably insane. Thank you for coming all this way. I'm Kunimatsu. Nice to meet you. Would you care for some tea? But before we get to the conversation, I just want to touch on something. So, he's introduced as being a very popular martial arts instructor for foreigners. Members of the FBI, CIA, police officers, army, navy, marines, air force, bodyguards, you name it. All those men we just walked by, they're either military or law enforcement. These are all letters of thanks from dignitaries around the world. FBI directors, American presidents, Russian general secretaries, and other key figures from their respective nations. 
Um, yeah. And it's it's implied that the FBI, the CIA, police, military send soldiers to his dojo. So like his specialty would be martial arts for government agencies. Is seems and like he has. I think they said the president of the United States had written him thank you letters. Like he has all of these letters from global dignitaries. So I'm like, this makes sense. You know, maybe it's like he knows Kramaga or something like, like a martial art used in the, in by uh, police or whatever. But then on the wall behind him are like spears and halibirds. There's a lance on the wall behind him, like swords, like why is he teaching people in the military how to use a lance? I, I didn't get it at all. Really? Well, I <laughs> the oh, things that you're surprised by. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems like normal crazy guy dojo stuff to me. Uh, all I right, whatever. This, at this point in the show, I was so inured to the the over the topness that 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 was not what surprised me in the least <laughs> all right so what what did this surprise you from this uh from this martial arts master i did but i do have to say the fact the fact that he's supposed to be renowned for cia agents and all that crap like i got more of like a goop lab vibe <laughs> you know like that kind of karate school rather yeah. than training cia agents um yeah, I don't know how many CIA agents are going to use that bowling ball trick. Well, hmm, I, I'm sure they have their company bowling party. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's his trick. Like, his big trick is he can pick up a bowling ball with the palm of his hand using a suction. Now, as you can clearly see, this is a bowling ball. There's really not much to explain about the science behind how this works. All I did was create a vacuum in the palm of my hand. Sorry, Editor Steve, I just wanted to include this. It's my favorite scene on the rewatch. Uh, Tokugawa tries to do the vacuum palm thing with, uh, with the bowling ball, and uh, let's see. <laughs> Did you really think you could just see it and then do it? Which is just odd. Like, if he's this great, he has all these other things like poison palm, death palm, life palm, a lot of palm techniques. <laughs> one of them being suction palm to pick up a bowling ball if you haven't caught on weird. yet this guy is a master of the way of the void um or uh this the same martial arts skill that uh listeners might remember from ryuko yanagi it's actually funny because i went to a wedding a couple weeks ago and uh one of the bartenders there pour a can of pop with that exact technique i had no idea how uh, practiced and astute his technique really was <laughs> but in hindsight uh but yeah he would like create a vacuum in his palm on the bottom of like a coke can and then pour the can with like an open hand and the can was just like stuck to his palm you don't know how lucky you were to get out of there alive. <laughs> I, I, exactly. I could have been killed at any moment. He has yeah. in his hands the world's most deadliest gas. The most deadly poison in the world. Dun, 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 dun. I don't Oxygen. get the poison. <laughs> oh my God. To be fair, the whole next episode, we're get, the, the beginning of next episode is going to be learning about poison. And then we jump right into the sex. Well, it, well I kind of... Well. <laughs> don't get me too excited <laughs> um but the other you know you, you opened up this this line of questioning with uh 
before we get to their conversation. I don't remember what they talked about at all because I was just too preoccupied with like, this guy's, what the fuck is going on? It's <laughs> all, like, he's just too weird. <laughs> I, I don't know what they talked about at all. <laughs> As one of the uninitiated in these practices, you're better off not knowing. <laughs> That's right, this arm here. It's another victim of Yanaki's poison. <laughs> they really didn't talk about much. It was mostly just vacuum hands. And um, once again, this, this is the Baki thing that the, the, the author really likes, gets hung up on unimpressive things. Like, uh, <laughs> Ryuko Yanagi was able to use, to grab a, sli- a piece of paper with his hand in midair yeah, using a vacuum. Know. And like, I don't know, the bowling ball sounds more impressive to me. Like that, yeah. The, the, I, thank you for reminding me. I remember being like, I don't know if like is is a piece of paper hard to do this with? Like that seems like the easiest thing. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't know, but I was eh. I was expe- I was expecting like he could lift someone off the ground like with the vacuum hand or something like you know impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Not hold a sheet of paper. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's um, that's that's how the episode the episode ends with um, the crypt keeper telling uh, Tokugawa that. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. The episode ends just like <laughs> like I I didn't even know what had happened. I was just watching along, and then all of a sudden it was just over. Yeah. And there was there's like mid sentence. like and cut that's our 25 minutes yeah well it's sort of a cliffhanger you know i think what they had said is like my most deadly student was ryuko yanagi he cut off my arm and then we see ryuko yanagi looking at the dead arm that he apparently kept on a trophy case and uh and then we go on to like the, the beautiful end credits play this wasn't like a cliffhanger. This was like a uh, Looney Tunes. They drew a picture of a cliff, but it wasn't really there. <laughs> yes. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was too abrupt. Yeah. Well, the, it you know that it's the problem is it's it's based on a manga and I, pretty closely based on it, and they don't really map one to one for. Uh, episodes so some sometimes you just end in the middle of the action uh, it's it's a good that, show to binge and maybe that's the biggest surprising takeaway from this which is that the cliffhanger was so abrupt that it got me a little disturbed i want to watch more <laughs> like what is going to happen next to these characters who i can't recall their names so. <laughs> it's uh oh my god i don't even know one of them uh, editor Steve will pop in with the real name. I already used it in a clip, but the Crypt Keeper's real name is Kunimatsu. Okay, so Louis, I, I have two questions for you. The first one, I ask everybody. Now that you've watched an episode of Baki, do you think that it's a good show? I'm, 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 I'm reaching for redeeming qualities. <laughs> but, and it's only one episode, no. I, 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 I don't know how you would think it's a good show. <laughs> That's I mean, fine. it was entertaining, and I and I I'm, I'm compelled to watch more. But I don't think that's enough to call it a good show. It had no followable plot. The the dialogue was, I mean, 
right on that border where it's like it's not so crazy that it's hilarious and entertaining but it's also really bad <laughs> so it's not good and poetic does anyone think it's a good show i'd say about half the people say yes i think you have probably the biggest no i've seen so far actually no you did say it was entertaining i i i, I have had some people just say there is that it was just very bad overall yeah, it's a, it's a split. You know, Baki's an acquired taste. I think it's for, um, you know, uh, the intellectual crowd. Oh, thanks. Oh, <laughs> it's it's watched... okay to be a Philistine. <laughs> Have you watched, uh, what's this other show? The Wire. Uh, no, but <laughs> no. I have I had people on this podcast compare Baki to The Wire. Okay, that was going to be my question. Is it like, I'm, I'm imagining if you watched it, you know in its entirety would take the, on the i don't think so the comparison i heard was the, the person who brought up the the wire said well like the first season is like is all about something and then the next season is about something else and baki's <laughs> like that the first season is about death row inmates and then baki goes to china to fight the world's great 12 greatest kung fu people and then next season baki goes to jail Maybe there is something here. I'm finding myself uh, compelled to find out what happens. That means it's a good show. All right. Second question for you. And this is just because I couldn't... I, I found this so funny. Doyle was basically the main character of your episode, but I feel like you didn't get to know a lot about him. Every fighter in Baki, more or less, has a gimmick towards them, uh, towards their fighting style or how they fight. What do you think Doyle's was? <laughs> high tolerance for pain and destruction <laughs> uh, all right i yeah no i didn't get much i like he just seemed like he rushed in headlong and got the shit kicked out of him at every turn so it might surprise you doyle's thing through the whole season except this episode is that he has surgically implanted blades all throughout his body and by clicking his fingers the blades can pop out um, he also has bombs inside his body and um, a few other tricks. His, his gimmick is that he has implanted devices in his body that he uses to kill people. Okay, this isn't that much of a surprise because there was like little, you know, shadowing of this when he was mm -hmm. being taunted by his various... Uh, <laughs> Tormentors. Tormentors, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, they kept trying, oh, no tricks? You're not going to, you know, fight with a weapon? There's one scene where they're eating, and uh, so this was... They're eating that wonderful the old, They're eating that wonderful fish and rice, and Doyle uh, jumps up and charges and strikes at his captor, and his captor remarks, like, oh, you're not, you know, fork is here, and a spoon and a plate, and you come at me with just bare hands? Man, if he had used that spoon, he, he might have been able to beat Katsumi. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all we've got. Um, thank you for coming on the show, Louie. This was a blast. Um, and if anybody wants to listen to more, uh, just, you know, subscribe or leave a comment. Or if you want to, like, uh, join the community of our uh, technically growing discord uh, there's there's links in the description but anyway that's all the Baki we've got to talk see you all next week <laughs>